Bill, what are you doing here today? Uh, got called in for an emergency. What did the poison crabs do this time? Uh, not them. They found three dead bears in Clanker's tank this morning. Really? Mondays, am I right? I don't know where they keep coming from. And then Clanker won't shut up about his darn teeth. Why did Gruntilda make the trash compactor talk? Think it's because no one else will talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> Here she captured a bear of her own the other day. Hopefully that keeps her off our backs. Hey, once you're done, you want to get a drink over in Rusty Bucket Bay? I can't. My kid has a recital in Bubble Gloop tonight. Bubble Gloop? I didn't know that music school was still open. Guess I'll have to ask Jim to join me. Oh, you didn't hear? Jim's out on medical. He's cleaning the grates when a grilled chompa got him. Don't know why we even keep those things around. Can we get maintenance back to Clanker's tank? Repeat, maintenance to Clanker's tank. Seems some kind of bird is stuck in his blowhole. <sighs> I guess we better take care of that. Well, let's just hope it comes out clean this time. And we heard you idiots talking trash on Gruntilda. Hi, <laughs> I'm Bill, and I absolutely love old video games, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So I decided to start the Super Switch Club. That's right, a podcast dedicated to discussing and reliving the nostalgia of retro video games that are also on the Nintendo Online Virtual Library. Hey everybody, uh, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from, uh, well, I don't work for Peace Island anymore, I guess Fotscast sometimes, and here's my audio for the Super Switch Club for uh, Clanker's Cavern, Bubble Gloop Swamp, and Freezeezy Peak. G'day, it's Elise. Hey folks, this is Brett from Skeleton House. This is Eric Slater from Epic Tales of History, Too Young for This Trek, and Podcasters Assemble. What up, everybody? This is Scott. I'm a Twitch streamer over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Scott Spot. That's the underscore Scott underscore Spot. Hey, everyone. It is Kazla25. This is Frost. I am Douglas Gale from the Game Pass podcast, Game Game Pass. This is Ben from Dragoon Effect. Hi, I'm Jay, and I'm back to talk some more Banjo-Kazooie. And I'm here today to talk to you about the second segment of Banjo-Kazooie. And we are back with more Banjo-Kazooie. For the Super Switch Club, we are going to play Clanker's Cavern, Bubble Gloop Swamp, and Freeze-Easy Peak. The continuing adventures of COVID denier Banjo and his shallow, mean girl best friend, Kazooie. Uh -huh. Oh, I just wanted to add a quick shout out to Chris and Hanny at the First Encounter podcast. Uh, they're two best mates. They're just taking it in turns, introducing one another to beloved video games. And it's just a really fun time. Um, they were the ones who introduced me to the Super Switch Club and I'm having an absolute ball. So thanks heaps, Chris and Hanny, and uh, go over there and give them a cheeky listen too. Yeah, uh, I had Banjo-Kazooie as a kid and Banjo-Tooie, and I don't think I beat Banjo-Kazooie. I did beat Tooie. Uh, we're just here to go through the second chunk of playthrough for the Super Switch Club's uh, season four of Banjo-Kazooie. So I started out not being all that excited about revisiting this game. As a bunch of people have said in previous episodes, this game is old school tough. But despite the janky mechanics, the bad graphics, the annoying sound effects, and the god-awful camera controls, not to mention the ridiculous dialogue, I actually really started to warm up to Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, I think I managed to get as far in it as we are in this episode. One thing I really, really wish I had, though, were a long jump and a double or triple jump from Mario 64. 
I realize that we have our own ways of jumping, but it's just something about the elasticity and the ability for Mario to get around it just isn't available to Banjo. And it's a little frustrating knowing that Mario would have completed this entire dungeon in half the time. Uh, we're going to play from the depths of Clanker's Cavern to the swamp of Bubble Gloop and then over to have some sled racing at Freezeezy Peak. Like I was a couple of jigsaw pieces into Freezeezy Peak when I put it down and didn't pick it back up until today. Treasure Trove Cove really won me over last time and then Clanker's Cavern showed up and did away with all that goodwill. Okay, so last time we did Treasure Trove Cove and Mumbo's Mountain, we're on to the next level, which is Clanker's Cavern. But before that, I have a couple notes here about Gruntilda's Lair, the hub world. Uh, first of all, we need to open up Clanker's Cavern. We find the puzzle for Clanker's Cavern. The game tells us we can put all the pieces in at once. Yes! Convenience! I think at this point we also have enough notes to open up the next door, uh, but we'll just leave that for now. Uh, first of all, I love, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but I love how Grantilda just taunts you the whole time while you're going through there. I'm like wondering how many freaking lines do they program in for her? Cause I'm still not ran out. If I remember it correctly, they do actually run out eventually, but I uh, hope that day is far away. Right off the top, I gotta, I gotta apologize to Bill. Cause last week he mentioned that uh, I made fun of him for saying that Gruntilda's lair was his favorite part of the game so far. And I said, oh, you only like it cause it's easy. You just gotta walk around and, you know, step on the painting switch and then go in the door. But now that we have a couple more areas opened up, I'm I'm just constantly lost in here. Is I cannot find my way around this place to save my damn life. Like I go in circles, I go every dead possible dead end first before I find whatever painting it's I'm looking for or the stage entrance. It's just off to the left there, uh, opposite the Treasure Trove Cove picture. And uh, now that we can jump so high as to high five God, we can chuck some puzzle pieces in there and uh, off we go. I don't know what it is, but I just can't get the layout of this place in my head straight. It took me so long to find Clanker's Cavern, and then afterwards it took me even longer to find the next level because I, I missed a switch. A switch that's right outside of Clanker's Cavern. There's this really cool multi-step puzzle in what looks like the sewers. Uh, we're just going to swim into this pipe, say hi to our latest cauldron, grab the Ikambokam, and then we're going to hop into the next small pipe above it, hit a switch to raise some pipes, and jump on over. I actually ended up opening this level during part one. Clanker's Cavern is kind of annoying to get to, but we get there. But oh well, I, I honestly feel like I spend more time in, in the lair navigating it sometimes than I do in the actual worlds, but that's probably not actually true. Yeah, sorry Bill, but your take on this game is still garbage, Banjo rules. First, I need to wander around and do some world building. Grunty's got a sister you see a lot more of uh, as you start going through the game. Uh, Brentilda's back. In this section, we run into Brentilda several times. What's her name? Uh, I find Brentilda a lot in this playthrough and get some more info about Grunty. First of all, she pops up in the most random places. Like, you'll go down a sewer pipe and there she is. Like, what are you doing here? Bruntilda, Gruntilda is Grunty, and then Bruntilda is her sister. Bruntilda, Gruntilda's sister that gives you facts that you should remember for later in the game. Um, but really, she's just telling me that it that Bruntilda is mean. About how disgusting Gruntilda is? Her sister's just shit. I hate her sister so much. The only thing she's won is the biggest butt competition at witch school. 
Classic. Also, she seems like she's got a lot of shade. You know, I kind of feel bad for Grunty. She seems really unhappy with being her authentic self, and it totally doesn't help that her sister keeps body shaming her. Like, I'm sorry, you... <laughs> You don't, you're not that much better than your sister, I don't think. Uh, her sister's super mean to Grunty, so first of all, back off. <laughs> That's my lady. Please don't be smack-talking her. And also, Brunty, every time you talk trash, it makes you look like trash. That doesn't reflect well on you. You just look bitter. Uh, a lot of her digs are about how fat Grunty is, which I have to say... You. And also, I'd say a good half of those those quote-unquote digs you have against your sister just make her sound awesome. Gruntilda blows up balloons with her butt. Grunty wears massive bloomers. Yeah, that's right. My thick queen wears big underwear. What about it? When relaxing, she usually reads Fat Hag Monthly Magazine. Man, Banjo-Kazooie is fairly problematic in 2023. You're not doing anything to help. You're just you're just throwing shade and, and being kind of a... I don't know. I, I, I think she goes a little too far with body shaming and stuff. You'd be sick if you saw her enormous sweaty undies. Uh, just <laughs> you. That's, that's mean-spirited. Mother of God. Really? She's just picking on her sister. Like, she has all this power and she only cares about getting thin. So I, I guess she can get some guys on Tinder or whatever. Whatever. Rat bagels for breakfast? You know what? Let me cook, baby. You sleep in. <laughs> i probably take care of this one. I blame it on Candy Kong for setting such unrealistic beauty standards for video game NPCs. Her best friend in college was Sweaty Betty? Now what are you digging on Betty for? What are you digging on Betty for? She often sleeps in a pigsty? She's in a band called Grunty and the Broomstick Boys. <laughs> Yeah, she is. Grunty and the Broomstick Boys? Sleeps on a pile of treasure. That's right. Guess who's not working for the rest of his life? Me, once me and Grunty get married. Then she calls her a dirty hag. Are we sure Gruntilda's the bad guy? You know what? Grunty is the real victim here. I'm starting to get the feeling that Grunty isn't so bad after all. Hmm. Banjo and Kazooie should join forces to overthrow the patriarchy and all the toxic systemic ideas that come with such a misogynistic culture that pits the downtrodden Grunties against the young, naive tooties of the world. Could we be uh, setting this up for a huge twist at the end where we've been helping the bad guy all along? No, no, it's not. No. She relaxes by reading Big Butts and Guts magazines? Hot damn! Grunty, call Betty. Three of us are going to get together and read Big Butts and Guts. <laughs> uh, you know, her sister says all these mean things about it. I'm writing them all down in my little journal, my little love journal to Grunty, because I feel it's just helping me get to know Gruntilda better. So I am taking diligent notes here, my friend. Diligent notes. Anyway, first level of this segment is Clanker's Cavern. Clanker's Cavern. Clanker's Cavern. Clanker's Cavern. Ah, Clanker. We have a love-hate relationship. You know how last time I was really enjoying Banjo-Kazooie? Thought it was one of the funnest things I've played in a while? Yeah. That, that, that changed. 
Okay, so I recorded my first entry like a month ago, and I just now started on Clankers, and I already forgot all of the controls. I really like this level. Now, I've been kind of dreading this level because it's kind of like the water level in Banjo-Kazooie, but I actually didn't mind it that much this time. I didn't think it was that bad. It seems really small, but it's got several little tunnels and corridors that all look so similar. It's easy to get a bit turned around. God, these camera angles suck. This might actually be worse than the water temple in Ocarina. Not Jabu Jabu's belly lost, but still. You start off in like this big open area. Exploring the foyer area, we find that we have gold feathers to collect now, and Bottle will teach us how to use them shortly. This level is like a sewer system. Quick complaints first about Clanker's Cavern. Uh, the textures in this game are just not very good. There were several times where, where I was looking at something and I was like, that's a neat wall pattern, when it turned out it was a ladder or a climbable pipe. This world, I think, has the least enemies of any worlds, I'm sure. There's like three crabs, there's a few whiplashes, a few grill chompers, and I think that's it. They're all pretty easy to deal with or just avoid. So yeah, making water dungeons way easier. I like it. This is our first level that really focuses on underwater swimming and it's for the worst. Um, going underwater sucks. It seems like we are gonna do a bunch of swimming. No, this is a swimming level? Great. The underwater sucks, sucks, sucks. My friend was the way better swimmer than me, so this will actually be my first time completing this level entirely on my own. Also, the swimming is not great. I know we've already complained about the swimming quite a bit, but it's just, it feels like there's almost a current in there, and I don't, I don't know that it makes sense that there's a current. I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's just, it's very awkward to swim around. That's honestly probably the worst thing about this game, the swimming mechanics. Swimming control is not horrible. Kazooie has a big flap and you swim real fast. Banjo has a little kick. You swim real slow. You can like swim fast and then hit the banjo swim button and you like stop at a dime kind of. I do figure out in this, if you do a Kazooie swim, which is a fast swim, and then do a banjo swim, you'll dead stop. So it makes getting around quite a bit easier. It's terrible. You move so slow. You can't steer for shit. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point. You know, you're a bear. You're not a dumb dolphin with whatever magic powers. But, oh, God damn it, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like Echo may be controlled better. Of course, he's a dolphin. He's supposed to control better. But still, like, it's just, you're so slow and ponderous and... I think it turns into like flight control suddenly. Like I, I, I remember just being uh, more difficult underwater than uh, uh, above water. It's not. It's not too bad. I don't remember it being a particularly challenging level, but I do remember the fear of falling off a ledge or drowning before collecting all the notes, and it was very real. What is it with us in terrible swimming games? I'm sure one day we'll end up playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES. So if you're someone who struggles with swim mechanics, which honestly don't we all, then just know that there are some cheat codes you can use to give you unlimited air. Like you really have to experience this for yourself. The swimming in this game is rage inducing. I keep having to circle back for notes I missed and then the camera gets all f ah. 
backed up. All the while, I'm running out of air. Games are made to be fun, and if one little code can make it more enjoyable but still keep the majority of the game a challenge, why not? I don't know if I ever got past this level as a kid because I remember drowning again and again and again. From here, pretty much everything that we do all revolves around Clinker's Tank. Uh, the world is kind of three parts. There's the foyer area with some pipes to climb. It's so freaking hard to not fall off things with controls this bad and a camera this janky. This whole chamber has a bunch of walls and different pipes so you can climb up on the side. It can be easy to like forget which ones you've been to and which not to. After swimming around, we find an area with green crabs. They want to fight us. But like I said, everything revolves around this tank. So so exploring around, there's this room with a whole bunch of poison crabs that you've got to kill, and that gives you a jiggy. Another fun jiggy in this level was the, uh, you got to murder a bunch of mutant crabs, and they're all like real f***. Ah. Nope. We kill them for a puzzle piece. Also, I keep accidentally farting out all my eggs because I keep pressing the wrong buttons. Uh, then there's a pool leading into the main area with Clanker where he's all chained up. And Clinker keeps complaining about certain things that he needs your help with. When we poke our head in the water-filled room he is in, he introduces himself and lets us know he wants fresh air. I head into the main uh, Clanker's cavern area and immediately get distracted with the pipes on the ground and the tunnels around the edge of Clanker's pool. Uh, so I'm just going to swim around and collect all of the notes, some feathers, a nikambokam, head into the U-shaped pipe off to the side and get my first jiggy. Uh, you deal with like these weird giant green worms that pop out of pipes. Some grill chompers to deal with. Dude, these f***ers who jump scare you are the worst. I don't actually hate the grill chompers. But before we get there, first, as we're exploring our starting room, the, the level's not too bad. The only thing that really catches me off guard is there's these enemies that pop out of grates that are against the wall and can really scare the shit out of you if you didn't know they were coming. And they're like unreasonably scary for this game. There are holes where large green things chomp at you, and I accidentally discover that I can defeat them. I thought I was going to have to just avoid them. And for some reason, I kept, I would like defeat one and then turn a corner and I see the giant pipe. I know it's going to pop out, but I'll still like run right into it. I don't know what's wrong with me. They're, they're fun and rewarding to kill. You take two damage from them and they knock you off whatever you're on. And they're so dramatic when you do kill them. But the good news is that you can take them out pretty easily with the well-placed Kazooie jump attack. But yeah, you can defeat them. And this brings up another note. It really seems to me like the most effective way to attack in this game is Kazooie's rat-a-tat-tat attack. Because I can rarely land anything else. I just wish there was a better way to attack. But once you learn that you can stand right next to the grate to draw them out and just attack with Kazooie, they're not too tough. And if you get the timing right, you can nail a whole bunch of them in a row and it's really satisfying. Clanker's Cavern is like an industrial sewer level. And um, the music in this game is really brilliant. They managed to add a sense of just dankness into this world with just the music and the fantastic little sound effects of dripping water and oh, it's it's just fantastic. I love it. Um, most notable thing about it is there's a big giant metal shark inside. This is Clanker. We meet Clanker, Grunty's garbage disposal. Clanker is apparently this giant robot fish that collects garbage or something. We meet Clanker, Gruntilda's garbage grinder, who wants fresh air? Anyway, you continue on a little further into the level, you see this giant metal shark named Clanker, the titular owner of this cavern, I guess. But then we swim down 
and come face to face with Clinker himself. And he's like Gruntilda's trash compactor machine. Like, did, did she need a trash compactor this ornate? I guess Grunty's extra. Who ends up being some sort of garbage disposal fish? He looks like a giant metal shark, I guess. And he's a bit, he's a bit mistreated. I will say the animation on Clanker's eyes is very good and super creepy. Clanker's little eyes follow you when you walk around on his back. The way they follow you. Is he looking out for us because we helped him twice? Or is he spying on us for Grunty? Hmm. Uh, but I actually find Clanker kind of cute, even though he's got like this weird rust texture on him that makes him look like he's bloody. It's kind of weird. But he seems like a sweetheart. I guess he's a whale. He has a blowhole. And he is some kind of whale shark hybrid. Not a whale shark. Those are sharks. But Clanker is clearly, he needs to breathe air. And he has a blowhole, indicating that he is an air-breathing mammal. But how is he underwater for so long if he is a whale? But he also has gills, and his tail swooshes from side to side like a shark. So Grunty has obviously been doing some genetic experimenting. I guess he's also like a robot. Robots don't need to breathe. I swim into the bright green pipe behind Clanker's tail, check out the other side of that, and just immediately nope out of there. I don't need to deal with that just yet. Clanker asks us for some help, because he doesn't like dirty water and he wants some fresh air. Poor old Clanker needs his sewage fish tank cleaned out. I got you, buddy. Banjo to the rescue. Like, it's kind of really f***ed up because he's just this gigantic shark and he's he's chained up here. He can't even move at all. And it's like, this this aquarium is not large enough for the size of fish. The way we will need to help him is by unlocking him from the chains that are holding him below the water's surface. In most of the swimming areas, there's plenty of room and time to get around. However, underneath Clanker is a chain holding it down. I swear he started out saying that he felt too polluted, or that his tank was too grungy, and apparently the way we solve that is extending his chain so he can come up above the water. That's not really cleaning up the way that he made it sound. But this is where the level gets really challenging. Okay, so I actually really like the concept of having to swim down and free clanker, and even the way it changes the layout of the level, but everything else about how this works is terrible. But to do that, I had one of my first frustrations of this stage. We've got to swim underneath Clanker, down following this chain, into this room with a lock and key. The trip down to the lock and key alone will deplete most of your air. It's very, very, very far down in the water, and you need to use a good amount of air to get down there. And there's no way to swim down to the key and back up without dying. <sighs> I keep drowning. The, again, not to keep picking on the camera, but... It really works against you in, a in some of the areas here where you're slowly drowning, which is not that bad because if you do drown, Banjo dies, you get to see Hot Grunty. So that's, you know, kind of a win. There's one part where you have to deep dive below Clanker, like really low, and swim through a keyhole like three times to free Clanker. The problem is, it's so far down that you kind of just have enough time to get down Go through three times and immediately get back to the surface. Fortunately, there's a friendly fish down here named Gloop, who emits bubbles that if you swim into them, you replenish some of your air meter. And if you swim through it from the wrong direction, it just rotates a little and goes back and then you're really in a pickle because you're probably running out of air by then. This would be fine and dandy if it wasn't for the camera trying to murder you the whole damn time you're in this narrow pit below Clanker. 
And I swam down. I think it was my third time. I noticed that there's just a fish hanging out who breathes bubbles. And he's like, hey, suck up my bubbles. You can stay down here longer. But these air bubbles just keep floating up. And it's really hard to get a sense of the 3D space. Now, they try to make this a little easy on you with this little fish down there. I don't know what it's called, but it's like farting these air bubbles, kind of like in the old Sonic the Hedgehog 2 levels where there were like these bubbles in the ground and the underwater levels where like you'd have to jump up and get to them in order to not drown. Except it's the fish's farts. Ew. This is almost as stressful as the chemical plant zone in Sonic 2. Almost. This part's stressful because you're having to hold your breath for a long time. There's a fish down there, you have to swim into its bubbles. The swimming controls are sus at best. You can try to get at those bubbles, but as other people have mentioned, swimming is really tough in this game. You have to line up a Kazooie to try to do a little flap stroke at it in just the right direction in order to hit the bubble, or you have to be so close to it that you can have Banjo just sort of paddle over to it, kind of slowly as well. But yeah, you're you're swimming and then you move and then the, the, the camera winds up like not moving with you or it being an area where it won't let you turn the camera. So that's really frustrating. Can't find Gloop and his bubbles if all we can see is the other side of the tank wall. Now between the camera and our heroes, Banjo and Kazooie. And it would have been nice to see that guy if the camera wasn't so f***ing shitty down here because it's a really confined space. Now there is a fish down there that's burping up bubbles and you can run into that bubble and you'll get one honeycomb of air but that really doesn't last you very long and he doesn't do it quick enough and even then it's kind of hard to run into them to begin with so i didn't even bother those bubbles just didn't exist for me it's a free clanker you have to swim through the metal loop on the end of a giant key three times to cause it to turn even using save states i can't do this more than once without dying Anyone else having echo flashbacks already? And of course, the first few times, I ran out of air and I died, and I learned what a lot of people were talking about on the first episode, and that's you lose everything that you did. So if you've gotten like four jigsaw pieces and three jingos and 50 notes and you die, you're back to scratch zero. But uh, I always do this first because it's probably the most dangerous part in the level, or any level for that matter. It's okay though. Eventually I figured it out. You just have to swim through the keyhole three times, which is not how it works in real life. We've got to swim through the keyhole three times. But, you know, you want to you wanna get that puzzle piece. You want to swim through the key three times or whatever, because everything in this game that you have to do that's super annoying, you got to do it two more times. Now, you don't know that it's three times. After this level, you start to figure out that everything in this game follows the rules of three. So if you need to do something, you need to go through it three times. Um, This, it's that that key. Like in real life, you have to physically touch the object, which is not how it works in Banjo-Kazooie, which uh, frustrated me a little bit. I spent almost two hours on this one part, no progress, before calling it a night. Um, did... Did I mention I haven't come up for a breath yet? Yeah, I may have just ducked over and got myself a cheeky little enhancement for this level. This is the point where I considered recording a bunch of F-bombs and piecing out on this game, but then I remembered something someone said in Discord. I can cheat. Uh, play smarter, not harder. You see, if you go back to the sandcastle in Trove Cove, where there was a minigame where you ground-pounded the letters to spell Banjo-Kazooie, you can actually use this to input cheat codes. A quick search online turns up a code for unlimited air. Type out, cheat, give that bear lots of air, and voila, no more echo the dolphin level anxiety swimming underwater. 
head down and help out old mate Clanker this time and the delightful little fish Gloop offers me some air bubbles so that I can breathe. But I'm good, thanks. We swim down and a fish makes air bubbles. Those air bubbles are really frustrating to grab. I head to the sand castle. Pound out C-H-E-A-T. G-I-V-E-T-H. A-T-B-A. B-E-A-R. L-O-T-S. O-F. A-I-R. All right, before we leave, we're gonna test this. I don't wanna test it out in the ocean because that shark's gonna bother me, but I remember there's that little lake with a pirate ship and in the middle of the island. I head there, dive underwater, and my air meter is going down. I must have typed that code in wrong. I got the bear lots of air. Wink, wink. Go back to the sandcastle, try it again. Go back to the pond, success. Unlimited air. Now we can go back to Clanker's Cavern. God damn it. I mistimed my jump attack and the stupid drain monster ate me. I died. Crank that death counter up to two. But on the plus side, I only had a few notes and the enhancement that I obtained has remained. Huzzah! All right, take two. We swim through a giant key three times and we free Clanker. Um, uh, now we just swim through that key a few times to loosen Clanker's chain and he thanks us. This opens the level up a bit. We can free Clanker, kind of. We swim down into a deep pit uh, where the camera gets really annoying and we swim through a keyhole three times and it unlatches Clanker, kind of, but it just loosens the chain a little bit so he can, like, surface. Let's see, favorite parts. Uh, I thought it was interesting that you could interact with Clanker and uh, move him around a little bit, you know, manipulating the world. You know, something that was done several years earlier in Mario 64. Better, in fact. Clanker goes up to the surface, you get the jiggy, yay. With Clanker now floating in the water surface, the level is now open for business. The water level rises, or maybe Clanker just goes to the top and lets us jump from a higher altitude. I'm not entirely sure. We free Clanker and get a jiggy on his back, uh, and when we free him, we can now go through his blowhole and go inside of the Clanker. We can leap from his back to a platform, holding our first jiggy in the level. We can ride the platform propelled upward by his blowhole to find another. Uh, and now he's floating up on the surface and I can reach all kinds of things. But regardless, I eventually raised Clinker up and now he's complaining about his teeth. Um, but first he needs a little bit more help because his teeth hurt. Apparently what we've got to do is go get on these little floating pieces of debris and shoot eggs at his teeth uh, to just knock out these gold teeth and apparently that makes him feel better. All right, emergency teeth extraction's coming right up. You eventually have to get inside Clinker by shooting out his gold teeth, which he apparently appreciates for some reason. Again, doesn't seem to follow from what he's requesting. The egg shooting, you have to do a couple times in this level. You have to shoot the, I want to say the shark. I don't know what it is, the giant robot, Clanker. You have to shoot his gold teeth out and you have to hit it three times. And for me, that generally means about like 40 or 50 eggs because <laughs> because it's not a game that's set up to shoot even though it asks you to do so. And we had to shoot eggs at Clanker's teeth because his teeth hurt. So we became a dentist and just and smashed his teeth out and we got a jiggy that way too that was pretty cool we knock them out uh collect another jiggy and then continue on with our collectathon then clanker has on his back a blowhole uh, that'll take you up to some more 
some more items, but also you can go inside that blowhole and you are inside of Clanker. Um, and then we have inside of Clanker. Whoop! I guess we're going down Clanker's rusty old blowhole. Let's have a look-see in Clanker's tummy. And there's a lot of stuff you can do inside of Clanker. He seems to have crabs. I eradicate them for him. That sounded wrong. You're welcome. Uh, but I can't do much about the worms. Uh, sorry, whiplashes. The inside of Clanker is so unsettling. And then the inside of Clanker is like this jabu jabu metal body horror area. It's like rusty metal covered in chunks of meat and oily sewage water. Like it's, it's pretty gross looking for this game. And you learn that there's several different ways to enter Clanker. You can go through his teeth that you knock out and get into a certain part of the stage. You can go through his gills on the side and that's another part of the stage. This game does this a lot in the future where you go into an area and the inside is like way bigger than the outside. And at first I was like, this is kind of weird. But the more the more the game does it, the more I'm like, oh, this is a cool banjo quirk. So there's a lot of exploring around inside, inside Clanker. Here uh, we find our first timed challenge, I think. One of the more challenging jiggies in this section of Clanker's interior, where you have a time challenge to swim through a set of hoops that are in and above the water. I always made my friend do this because she was way more calm than I was, uh, but I have no choice, so let's give it a crack. There was a timed ring challenge a la Superman 64, where you had to jump and swim through rings in about 45 seconds. And then the other thing is you've got a time trial inside of Clanker's belly. And it's a little tight to do, especially when you're having to jump out of the water onto some floating boxes to then jump through some more hoops uh, as you go through these chain of hoops in the stomach, all the while avoiding getting hit with uh, little organic bulbuses coming out of his inner walls. Uh, I ended up resorting to save states after, I want to say about five tries. I got pretty close, but I ended up having a save state where I was pretty close to the end that I ended up just finishing it off with. It took me a bunch of tries to finish this in the time limit as the camera wasn't always helpful. It wasn't too bad, but I could see where um, with these controls, it could get a little rough. It took a few tries, but I got it down. It wasn't too bad. It might actually have been easier on an N64 controller. Again, being charitable, it could be the translation of the controls from the N64 to the Switch Pro controller. I honestly did not have nearly this much trouble shooting the eggs on the Xbox version of it, so it could be something that they did improve slightly or the Xbox controller works for it better. I could have a piece of shit Pro controller, I don't know. I just know that every time I fire an egg, not every time, 75% of the time, suddenly Banjo like lurches to the left or to the right. So even if I do have a shot lined up, I usually blow it as soon as I shoot the egg. One of the shitty things with the way the graphics work in this game is that you can't always see collectible items when they're far away. You have to get close for them to even render. Kids these days don't know how hard we had it. All right, fucking nailed it on my first go. Yes. Uh, now I get to go through the Valley of Razor Fans. After getting the witchy switch behind me, of course. Man, that section with the spinning blades was so nuts. Going on through that door, we meet Bottles, who teaches us the second most useful thing, the Wonder Wing! We eventually find Bottles, who teaches us how to use Kazooie as a shield. Inside a clanker, we find Bottles just hanging out, and he teaches us Wonder Wing, which is like an invincibility move. This makes us invincible for as long as the ten feathers will last us, anyway. 
The new move here that you get from bottles is the Wonder Wing. It's like an invincibility thing. It takes golden feathers as ammunition. It's kind of cool. You can use it to get past like damaging areas that we will see in the future, such as poisonous swamps or chilly water. Uh, but this allows us to run through a meat grinder to get uh, kind of the last jiggy we needed in the stage. And then we have a jiggy to get at the end of this rather large razor fan hallway. Kazooie just shields Banjo with her massive wings. So you know what? I'm going to try this old school. No shield. But I got to hand it to them. That was a clever way to introduce the invincibility mode. The room where we learn this technique has an impossible gauntlet of spinning fan blades with a G at the other end, forcing a simpleton tutorial of this new ability. You know, this game's called Banjo-Kazooie, but like Kazooie does most of the work. Banjo's just kind of hanging out. You use the uh, Wonder Wing to get through some sharp blades and all that. And they got hit once on the way over, and I made it safely on the way back. So if you want to save your precious feathers, which, you know, I do recommend because they, they're not very common, uh, you can absolutely do it without them. Hopefully I can remember the button combination. Uh, hold Z and the right C button, I think, which on the Switch controller is ZL and right on the right control stick. Uh, I'm going to swim back out of uh, Clanker and head over to that bright green tunnel that had the mutant snippets in it that I noped out of earlier. Uh, and I'm just going to be flat out lazy. I'm just going to turn on my Wonder Wings and just destroy the guys and steal their jiggy. Sorry, mine now. That said, this is not a bad level. Overall, I don't think I like this level very much. Like I didn't find the swimming as annoying as I'm sure a lot of other people did, but it just, it took me forever to figure out how to get inside of Clanker because I swum down and I saw the keyhole and I'm like, I, I don't have much breath left. I can't really mess with this. I'm like trying to swim into it. Nothing's happening. I, I really like, it's kind of like a big open pool. Um, I think Clanker looks pretty cool, apart from the fact that it's a water level, which again, I just don't think I like in general, and it's really bad in Banjo-Kazooie. I enjoyed sort of the like the, 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 the platforming that involved jumping and then using the flutter flap or whatever to have that like second, you know, air jump uh, in order to get around. Uh, I thought that was, that was interesting. Yeah, that's about it. Otherwise, just a, I don't know, it's a swimming world and it was awful. But I'm still at something like 74 notes and I need 81. But I remember, there are notes way down at the base of the chain. So I start deep sea diving down there, grabbing like one or two notes, not even bothering with the fish farts. And I go way back up to the surface, like just in time. And I keep doing this like three or four times until I'm at like 80 notes and I need 81, right? So I go down there, I get the note, I've got like three oxygen honeycombs, and I turn around and I'm trying not to get caught on the side of the hole because you can do that and lose precious time and drown. I don't know how many times I drowned in this level, and I just managed to get up to the surface. Like most of the action movie sequences I've seen were less tense than that. Uh, I've collected the last of the notes and the last ginger, so we just have one more jiggy that I need to find a switch for, and one more honeycomb piece. <sighs> Only five notes left, and I have no freaking idea where they are. Finally, one of the extra life honeycomb pieces is really devilishly hidden in the bottom of a pipe here. Like, I had to look that one up. Okay, so I spent about an hour in Clanker's Cavern. Uh, I ended up with nine jiggies. I got all the Jinjos. Um, so I'm still missing a jiggy. I got 94 notes. So it leads me to believe that I just missed something. I'm not exactly sure what. We wrap up the rest of the collectibles, and this level makes me want to be done with this game. 
it's kind of fun. I kind of, I kind of dig this level design. Great. I spent an hour and 15 minutes in there. I didn't even get everything because it's just, it's just so slow. You know what? There is one thing. There's a lot of moving, getting on Clanker and then using Clanker to get onto something. And then you would, you would uh, complete a platforming challenge. Like I would found like a honeycomb or something, but I had to slide down a slide to get the honeycomb. So then I had to climb my way back onto Clanker and then go back up the wall. And so there's a lot of repeat, 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 doing things you've already done before, just so you could clear several different paths. After a fair bit of swimming and uh, wandering around, I remembered that I do not need a switch. I just need to hit the grill that the jiggy is behind uh, with Kazooie's face or shoot some eggs at it. That'll open it. Found them. Just had to use the bouncy thing to jump to a pole that I couldn't see and then try not to fall off of a very treacherous platform. Okay, so last honeycomb piece is under the water in a pipe, kind of upside down, uh, but we find it eventually. And although I didn't get 100 notes, I was glad to be done with Clinker's Cabin. Uh, so that's everything. The, the mini games I don't remember being super annoying, which isn't always the case in Banjo. Some of the mini games in this game are just a nightmare. But anyway, Clanker's Cavern, you know, once you get past that first part where you free Clanker, not that bad. I was pleasantly surprised. So yeah, Clanker's Clanker's is pretty cool. It's annoying. And I'm worried that the game is only gonna go down from here. All in all, I ended up getting 10 jiggies, all the 100 notes, and all five gingers of this level. So I'd call this a success. This game is still pretty fun. So I'm now up to 300 notes, which means I can probably bypass a level or two. So now we have seven uh, combs of life, and we're good to move on. My totals for Clanker's Cavern, 91 of 100 notes, 8 of 10 jiggies, 1 of 2 honeycomb pieces. Took me 55 minutes and 7 seconds. But I love this game. It's awesome. So we're going to shake the water off our fur, tip it out of our backpack and let Kazooie have a moment to just dry our feathers and uh, bid Clanker farewell. And that's Clanker's Cavern. Where am I supposed to go next? Bubblegum Swamp? Bubblegum Swamp. Hey, Super Switch Club, Eric here. Just wanted to thank you all so much for listening, and if you're digging this podcast, be sure to give us a five-star review. Follow us on social media, or join the conversation on our Discord page if you haven't already. I also wanted to let you all know that we're excited to announce that we just started up our brand new Patreon to keep this show going. So if you'd like to help support our awesome editors, Frost, Bill, Locathor, and myself included, head on over to patreon.com slash superswitchclub, where you can unlock all kinds of great bonus content, including, but not limited to, early access to new ad-free episodes, blooper reels, behind-the-scenes clips, extended cuts, and even a chance to pick which game we have to play next. Once again, that's patreon.com slash superswitchclub. Link in the show notes. Hey there, siblings. I'm Stephen White. And I'm Lacia Finley. The host of Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. Ugh, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? It gets easier the more you say it. Each week, we discuss all the big headlines in gaming. We also do game reviews, developer interviews, and retrospectives on the industry. All of this while going on multiple tangents about whatever strikes us in the moment. Hey, listen, did you happen to watch that TV show I recommended to you? Stephen Focus. Oh, right. Follow Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo on Twitter and Instagram. And find Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
Opening my game to start Bubble Gloop Swamp, I got a really fun animation that I don't usually see. The bed flips up and just throws Banjo and Kazooie out the window. It's fantastic, I love that. Anyway, off to the swamp. Uh, but first, there's a new layer puzzle piece that we have to get. Uh, I kind of like these little extra options for puzzle pieces because um, some of the switches, the witchy switches that you find in the in each level, they're really easy to find, meaning you can just not worry about some of the harder jiggies in the levels and you can still have plenty uh, to open up all of the world. I withdraw my previous complaint about the hub world being awful. It's not that bad. So we just go to that uh, big picture of Grunty on the floor in the, I guess, the, the second room, and we smash in her eyes. Uh, and that's that's how we get a jiggy. And now we can keep going. So I open up a new note door here. Uh, remember when we come out of Clanker's cabin and there was a switch on the right? So let's smash that, swim through the newly opened tunnel and open up that next door to the swamp. And we walk into this um, new sort of atrium. Uh, now we just head over to the note door and then open it with our little joyful dance and um, now we have a new foyer with a big grunty statue in the middle with a giant sculpture of Gruntilda in it it's not that bad there's a lot of self-love going on in her lair there's a picture of her or a statue of her in in every lair I love it it's got a giant witch statue which is great can't say she's not confident and if I know anything about the creators of this game, I'm going to have to do something with this statue. Up next is Bubble Glue Swamp, uh, but first we have to get to Bubble Glue Swamp, and holy shit, this took me so long because there is a switch directly outside of the Clanker's Cavern entrance that you have to ground pound, and it like makes a very obvious path to get to the, the painting for Bubble Glue Swamp. I missed the f***ing switch, so I walked around Grunty's lair for probably like half an hour, going through every goddamn door and exploring every goddamn room until I came back here, and I'm like, oh, it's it's just literally right there. Actually, I think Frost told me because I was complaining on the Discord and he's like, did you hit the switch? I'm like, oh, f Anyway, I look at the statue and I notice there's a note door to the right of the statue and then there's an opening to the left of the statue and Gruntilda's statue is pointing to the open door and I head over there and the music changes to be like swamp music so I know I'm headed in the right place. And then we're on to our next level, Bubble Gloop Swamp. Bubble Gloop Swamp? Bubble Gloop Swamp. Here we go. Bubble Gump Swamp. But anyway, Bubble Gloop Swamp. Then you go on to the Goop-a-Doop Swamp, whatever the f*** that's called. This level is back to platforming. And oh my god, the game is back to being fun again. I'm enjoying it again. I f***ing really like this level. Is it just swimming that's terrible? This is the swamp level, as you might realize. Okay, so the swamp level wasn't too bad. I'm starting to feel like this is an abusive relationship. After the struggles with the shark in Treasure Trove Cove and issues with air management in Clamp's Cavern, it was a relief that Bubble Gloop Swamp was pretty straightforward layout without any game-blocking difficulty. It's, this one can be kind of hard to navigate. It kind of sp spreads off in a bunch of different directions. Again, the camera is the biggest problem here. Camera really works you works against you on this one. Okay, two things about the room that houses the entrance to Bubble Gloop Swamp. Uh, one, the water is piranha water, and you can't touch it without taking extreme amounts of damage while you try to escape it. And two, there's a half-translucent pair of boots jumping up and down over off to one side, but it says we can't use them yet till we talk to bottles. So let's head into the swamp. I will never not enter a world in this game and love the music. It all just fits so perfectly. The little extra noises and sound effects are just so perfect. 
It's a swamp. The water is poison. If you step in the water, oof, ouch, my toes. The the ground is poison, which I hate poison levels. Man, it makes it sound like I hate everything. Poison levels are fine. It's just obnoxious and, I don't know, Dark Souls ruins me for poison. Beside the point. Bottles is kind enough to remind Beakface that we now have a new move to learn. Um, so if we do a 180, we see him behind a poison arrow frog. Right off the bat, we run in the bottles and he teaches us our one new technique for the level. We also get a new power-up for Kazooie. However, if we find bottles here, he teaches us how to put on rubber boots, which is a very important skill in real life and in Banjo-Kazooie. And now we can use the gum boots. The waiting boots. What are they really called? Uh, these are some like waiter boots, uh, like water waiters, not waiter as in the bow tie. We learn about waiting boots. You get the boots in this level, the galoshes or whatever they, I don't know. They have, they have goofy names for everything in this game. The new move from Bottles is the waiting boots. Goop galoshes, let's say. The stilt stride boots. There we go. The kind that you go like fly fishing with. <laughs> but that's not the important thing here. The important thing here is that Banjo calls Kazooie chicken for a second. Like he's buying in to Bottles' bullshit. Uh, and this just furthers the idea that Banjo is either a total idiot or just a bad person. Around the stage are a couple of rubber boot pickups, and if you walk into them, Kazooie will wear the boots and you can walk over, you know, hazardous materials. This level is full of piranha water, as in if you touch the water, you take damage, which can be, uh, very problematic if you happen to fall into the water and you're far from the ground. Um, so now things like the piranha-infested water is safe. The boots let you run through the swamp water for a short period of time without taking damage. Until the boots disappear, which is a varying amount of time depending on which pickup you pick up, which I found kind of weird. Because, like, think of it in the context of other video games. Like, you get a star in Super Mario World, you know exactly how long that star is going to last for. It lasts the same amount of time every single time. But the boots here, it's a very specific time depending on which one you pick up because it's like, hey, how much time do they need to get to where they're going? But also, like, not too much because if they freak up, they got to get, get hurt a little bit, you know? She pulls them on up her big legs. Kazooie's legs also grow about, I don't know, six inches when she puts these on, so it's fantastic. Love it. So yeah, just a little bit, a little bit weird. I could do with a pair of these. So, of course, the first thing I do after getting the boots is uh, I head back out of the level, because I want to see what those boots on the outside of the world did. Um, and you can run through the swamp around the bubble gloop entrance, and you find the puzzle for Freezy's Peak. So that was useful. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, fill that puzzle in now, since that's our next stage. Two things. One, the ice physics are brutal, and I am not looking forward to that when I get into the actual level. And two, I really like the uh, Sleigh Bell uh, take on the uh, Gruntilda theme here. I also noticed that there's a rock here uh, that I can break, and behind it there's a golden feather. But there's also like a small passageway behind it, and I wonder if I have to hoof my way all the way back here with the uh, termite power or if maybe there's another ice power or something that I can go and slide my way through there. So let's keep that in mind for later. Bubble Gloop Swamp is um, really quite pretty for a swamp. It's nice and green. It's got lovely trees and some nice little cottages. There is an area with high jump circles where we pound huts to get more. Oh, you you want me to smash the cottages for a jiggy? And a witchy switch? Can we not just open the door? No? It seems extreme. I actually stayed up in bed playing this last night. I almost never do that these days. 
Usually I'm the one telling the kids to be quiet at night, but here I was trying to play with the volume all low under the covers on a school night. This place has some really fun puzzles and challenges and then some less fun challenges. First note is there are these gold gator statues. You kind of just have to shit eggs into their mouth, which is interesting, and then find the next one. There was a fun jiggy here where you had to smash an egg, and then I remembered one of the moves I haven't been using where you do like a Kazooie shoulder check and she beaks some guys, and it's very powerful, and I like it a lot. And I totally forgot about it from the tutorial. Uh, from smashing open a Russian doll-style egg for a jiggy to racing along some narrow walkways within the time limit to eating more snacks than the other guy. There's a, there's a challenge for everyone. <sighs> the first jiggy we can get appears when you stomp on a special pad in the ground. It appears on a platform well above and you have 45 seconds to get to it. Okay, I am going to agree with everyone here and say that the camera in this world is particularly awful. The winding path up to the jiggy is narrow and easy to fall off if you rush. I continue to hate any challenges where I have to navigate on rickety ledges with these awful controls, but I'm starting to get the feel for this, he said begrudgingly. It's again, this is another 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 good themed level that's it's actually a tight themed. Oh yeah, about Bubble Gloop Swamp and its level design for a second. One thing I learned about level design is have as much asymmetry as possible in your like hub areas and your transition areas between other areas because it's easier that way for the player to build a mental map of which direction leads to what. It's weird like looking at an overhead screenshot of Bubble Gloop Swamp. I don't know why I I had trouble keeping track of which path led where, but I did when I was playing it. Maybe it's something to do with the field of view and like the paths leading out from that often looked just the same. It really was more like there's the one with the alligator at the other end of it, which is pretty hard to miss, or it's the other two going off from it and I have trouble telling which is which. Now contrast that with Freeze Easy Peak, where the snowman in the middle of the world is a really good example of what in level design land we call a weenie. A weenie is an idea that comes from, like one of the most famous examples is Disney World, where like the magic castle has like such a central location in the map of the theme park that you can always make sense of where you are by where you are relative to the magic castle. Almost anywhere you go, you can instantly know where you are relative to the snowman. Okay, back to Bubble Gloop Swamp. Since the world is set up kind of like a clock, if you're in the middle and you want to run to say nine o'clock, the camera gets stuck behind three o'clock land every bloody time. The whole Mumbo Mountain, that seems to be an aberration so far where that was just a nonsense theme. This is a, you know, it's a swamp. Swamps are gross with alligators and shit and there's poison. Are swamps poisonous? In video games, they are. Swamps are always poisonous in video games. That's just, that's just life. Deal with it. We learn a lot about patience in this level. Uh, a little unsolicited advice. Don't break open those honey houses unless you really need the health in that moment, because they might come in handy later. But the fucking dragonflies in this level are jerks. They hit you and then they laugh at you. So I just murder them all. The next small island has a bunch of hollow tree stumps. Once you enter, a bunch of yellow frogs start jumping out one at a time to attack. There is a gang of flibbits, so they look like poison arrow frogs. Damn, those frogs. And they just, they just want to murder us, so we just beat them into submission and steal their gold. Sorry about that. You have to be very, very careful 
because they hop so frequently, and be very strategic with your attacks when you're after them, because one of two things usually happens. One, they hop up out of the way when you attack, and you just go barreling in what was their direction, and hopefully you don't end up in the piranha water. Or you barrel or beak barge too soon, and then suddenly, you've got a frog either just in front of you, or hitting you again, and hopefully they don't knock you back into the piranha water. Yay! They're tough to hit, but if you use the invincibility we learn in Clanker's Cavern, you can let them crash into you and die, and once they're all down, you get a jiggy. Or you can use the um, the newly found Wonder Wings and just be lazy about it. But again, the gold feathers are harder to find and they can be quite handy in a bit of an emergency situation in this level. Um, so I'd probably save them for not just murdering frogs. It's almost ghosts and goblins caliber bat. There are many giant animals in this game. In Bubble Gloop Swamp, we see both a gigantic turtle and a gigantic crocodile. There is a giant alligator below a maze. The most fun jiggy in this level was inside the shell of a giant turtle in the swamp. Something else weird about this level is there's a giant turtle. I believe his name was Tank Tup. There's another section of this uh, of this level where there's a giant turtle statue. There is a giant turtle in here with such cold feet that he can't move them uh, back inside his shell. The turtle's like, ah, oh, my toes are chilly. Can you warm them up? He's like, oh, my feet hurt. Can you do something about it? And then you ground pound him and he's like, ow, oh, Ow, ow, and he brings them into his shell because I guess he couldn't do that of his own volition for some reason. So we're just going to stomp on them to help him out. And then you freaking do a ground pound on them. It, and he makes this loud scream noise like it hurts, but he's thankful at the end, so whatever. This turtle says his feet are cold, so I was like, I don't know, uh, why don't I smash your feet with my beak? And so I did, and then he brought his feet into his shell and he was like, that's better. He's also going to cough up a jiggy for us, and now we can go inside his mouth. And he rewards you for smashing the, sh the hell out of his feet. That seems fine. Also, when you stomp on his feet, he makes this awful yelling noise, which is like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Cause it's, it's pretty bad. But back to back to the turtle real quick. Uh, inside the turtle are a bunch of little turtles. Again, it's one of those things where you go into a thing and then the inside's gigantic. Turns out you can go into the turtle in banjo form. So that was kind of them. Inside, there's a choir of turtles being directed by a turtle named Tip Top. So in here is a turtle maestro. Who? It's Tip Top. Do you guys know who Tip Top is? Of course you do. He's the best f***ing character in Diddy Kong Racing. I always played as Tip Top. Every time, no matter what, Tip Top. You unlock the clock guy? You're so good at Diddy Kong Racing? Not too bad. I'm still picking Tip Top, dude. After this, you get to go inside the turtle's shell, and he's just weirdly not there. It's, it's weird. <laughs> the turtle's weirdly not in there. It's hollow. When we get inside, we see that he has eaten a whole choir of small turtles, but they seem okay with that and they're busy practicing. It's the Tip Top Choir, and uh, this is all a reference to Diddy Kong Racing, which was actually Banjo's debut game, where there was a character named Tip Top. Man, that game's character roster was left field. But hey, we got Banjo out of it, and it's a decent racing game. You can go inside, and there's a little turtle choir inside. He asked you to practice with the choir, and it starts a minigame that's a lot like playing the toy Simon from the 80s. We have a crack at creating a masterpiece by forcing sounds out of the small turtles and impress the conductor so much, he gives us a prize. So Tip Top makes the turtles sing a song, and then uh, you gotta bash them in the order that they sung, and then he's like, all right, here's a G. Nice. The singing frogs challenge wasn't too bad at first. The first couple weren't too bad, but the third one was pretty long. So I ended up like writing down which notes they were so I could know which ones to go stomp on to get. But I was really struggling with memorizing that last one. It was like six notes too long. And I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't smoke so much before I play this. 
Oh my god, I just remembered the giant turtle's name is Tanked Up. Get it? Tank up. Like a tank sized turtle. Yeah. Yeah, you get it. So yeah, we get a we get a jiggy off that guy, and then there's a giant croc crocodile or alligator. One of them probably. Scott knows. Oh, I guess they're probably crocs. Yeah, I don't know what, but I love alligators and crocodiles. Favorite animals. And the alligator doesn't say anything. He just ah. sits there. But it was kind of cute and not what I expected to be in the middle of a swamp. There are some things and places that are too small for us to access. But eventually, we find Mojo! Just like in Mumbo Mountain last episode, Mumbo has a hut here. I don't like Mumbo as a character. There's finally another Mumbo Jumbo in this level. It's been a minute. On our way to see Mumbo, there's a timed jiggy switch. I suck at this one, and the chance of me dying is high, so we're just gonna leave that until I get all of the notes and all the gingos, and then I'll come back. See, strategy, it's a strategy game. Um, and in Bubble Gloop Swamp, we also get our second Mumbo transformation of the game. And come across Mumbo's hut. We finally got another Mumbo transformation. Still very cringy to me, but I do like the little uh, animals that he turns you into. Mumbo is going to help us navigate these piranha-filled waters, and he's going to turn us into a crocodile. If we visit him and pay his fee in Mumbo Smalls, changes us into an alligator. And he turns us into a crocodile. This level, you get to turn into a little, a little, a little cute alligator. Where's an alligator? And he turns you into crocodile. Oh man, I love little gator banjo. Yeah. Love me, love me that cute little gator boy. I don't know. Scott should know the answer to that one. Crocodile, little baby crocodile, and it's really cute. Gator, little, little, cute little gator. The alligator can walk in the swamp without getting hurt, and they can also enter small cave openings. With his shorts and cute little backpack. Good god damn, are you an adorable alligator. It's, it's like, wahoo, when it jumps. Yahoo! I like it a lot. Uh, if we find Mumbo's hut and we have enough tokens, he turns us into a crocodile or an alligator. I don't know which one. Scott knows. Mojo turns us into an alligator. I love that Mumbo's transformations give you no fall damage. It is wicked. You get to turn into an adorable crocodile, uh, which you are makes you invulnerable to the piranha water. Surely the gator is immune to swamp damage. Let's go get stuff. Yahoo! The crocodile doesn't get hurt by the poison swamp, and he also has like a little chomp attack, and he's also the most ah. goddamn cute thing in the world. Holy shit! He's wearing like banjo shorts, and he has banjo's backpack on, and he's he's adorable. I would play as this fucking alligator. I thought the ant was cute. The alligator, ah. that ant. You are so much cuter as this little gator. Just hopping, just making little jumps and scooting around. I low-key wish I could play the whole game like this. I would die for the banjo crocodile. Poison doesn't doesn't cause you any damage. The poison, you're a little gator. Just going around gathering stuff. Awesome, love that. So I was able to grab that from Mumbo for the cost of 10 skulls uh, and then get around and get a bunch of jiggies. None of them were really all that impressive. We get everything. Now we can get some hard to reach treasure. We get everything we can find and then are still missing two jiggies and 10 music notes. And go inside the crocodile shaped house? Blair? Either way. And you guys remember the big croco gator that I was talking about earlier? Oh, I wonder if we approach the gator as a gator, if its mouth will open up or something and we can go inside. No, but I can crawl inside its nose. Yeah, we can uh, climb into his nose if we are the little crocodile and we see yet another crocodile inside of him. 
This giant crocodile statue is great looking. You have to go into the nose of a crocodile or a mountain somehow shaped like a crocodile. I don't know if it's like a sleeping crocodile and I went in his nose. Anyway. Does it remind anyone else of the Kremlins from Donkey Kong Country? Is, is that technically an Easter egg? This place belongs to Mr. Vile. There's also a giant croc in this level, but I, it turns out that I think it's a house. This big crocodile statue thing. Because once you go through the giant croc house's nostril, question mark. We meet Mr. Vile, the greediest croc there is. You meet up with Mr. Vile, who has a terrible mini game for you. There's a red crocodile, and his name is Mr. Vile, and he's a asshole. And he wants to challenge us to an eating game. You're odd, mate. And inside is another crocodile that wants to battle us. We have to play his game. We have to eat things whack-a-mole style. They'll pop up, and we need to get there first. Three rounds, all one minute each, and if you lose any of them, he chomps you, and you have to start from the start of the first round again. I'm ashamed to even say how long it took to get through the gator chomping challenge. The problem is, is you've got to beat each one of these in turn, in a row, to be able to get a jiggy at the end from it. Otherwise, he turns on you and starts attacking. So, what I started to do is I just set a suspense point after I defeated each tier, and that way I could quickly restart where I was. And yes, I may have used a few save states. He challenges us to a minigame where we have to eat a bunch of little turnip guys. Where you have to, like, chomp more fruits, tomatoes or whatever. We have to compete with another alligator to eat a bunch of worms. Uh, I don't know, little mole things. Uh, uh, they have eyeballs, so they're probably sentient. Snakes. Worms. Uh, something that keeps popping out of these holes in the ground. Whatever those things are. We have to eat more red yumblies than him. I win. 26 to 24. The terrible thing about this is you have three rounds, and they are progressively harder. If you fail one, you have to do it all over again. You beat him once, and he's like, ah, shit, that one doesn't count. Round two, now you gotta you gotta eat the red guys, but you gotta avoid these evil snakes that pop up. Second round, we have to eat more red yumblies, but avoid the yellow ones. If you eat a snake, you get timed out for a couple seconds. I win again. 25 to 23. Nice. And each round lasts a full minute. That one was probably the hardest Jiggy to get. We win again, and he says we have to play yet a third time. Now, with sweaty hands and my heart racing, it's the final and hardest challenge. We have to eat the kind that pops up on the screen. And then you beat him again, and he's like, all right, you mother Now we're going to do it where you have to eat the red ones, and then it'll show on the screen the yellow one will pop up at the top. you got to eat the yellow snakes, and then the red, it'll go red, and you have to eat the red guys. Here, the AI has a big advantage. We can't see the whole area at any given time. But the AI knows exactly where to go. Now, like I said, I always played with my friend. So we always helped each other out by shouting the color change and making it heaps easier. Cause you could sort of, you could see it before it happened anyway. And it's hard as shit. I lost this like three or four times. Alas, again, this time I am alone. And every time you do, Mr. Vile bites you in the ass and you lose two HP. If you fail, he also chomps the shit out of you and you gotta like leave and come back to start over. It takes a few times. I eventually realize that the thing to eat changes every 10 seconds. So I sometimes wait for the timer to flip over before eating more things. It's kind of honestly bad game design if I'm being forthright. 
but through sheer determination and fear of failure, I did it. I'm assuming the idea is to get you to come back later because there are a pair of transparent running shoes in the corner, which, you know, what could they do? I won the last round 20 to 18. I won the whole lot on the first go. I am on a roll today. I came so close to beating round three multiple times, but I had multiple people being like, just wait till you get the, the speed dash move. And I was like, ugh, okay. Because I was getting mad. And like I've said before, I don't like being mad on the stream. So there's still one more jiggy for me to get there uh, at a later date. But I was like, no, f that. I'm going to beat this asshole. And then I did. I ate all of the red guys. I ate all of the yellow guys. I beat them by like four points, I think. There's two little tricks for this challenge. You can try staying in front of Mr. Vile and eating the yumblies that he's going for. It works pretty well. Otherwise, you have to wait until you get the go fast runners and then you can come back and just use, uh, use those and it'll keep you in front and you, you should be able to win pretty easily with them. Mr. Vile, you... You have to run across these very narrow ledges on a timer. Like, ah, get the thing in a certain amount of time. So you have to go up this ramp and around and grab the golden puzzle piece above the poison swamp. So you don't want to fall because then you have to start over again. Reset the timer. So yeah, I'm playing this on the Switch. I think some people are playing this on Xbox. Like other folks, I'm struggling with the controls in this game. I'm particularly struggling with how sensitive the Switch controller is. Like, maybe this is the nostalgia goggles, but what I remember of the N64 controller, as weird and from another planet as it was, the navigation was easier with its joystick. And I, I, maybe the difference is adult hands versus kid hands. Running on the small ledge with bullshit camera is really, really tricky. Uh, I'm going to run around and finish getting all of the notes and the gingos before I go back for the last two timed races, just in case the worst should happen. But the controller is so sensitive where like you just turn it a little bit and Banjo will move significantly farther over in that direction than you think is why the only Jiggy that I have taken a pass on is the one outside the maze in Bubble Gloop Swamp. Uh, it takes me a couple of goes for the longer timed race just because you need to know where the camera's gonna go and haywire on you. At times it won't stay locked if you're if you're doing the thing push the bumper to keep it locked in front of you. The camera doesn't move smoothly. And then you know what to expect. So that one's not so bad, but the short one is so tedious. Another notable jiggy here, there's a part where you have you have 10 seconds to cross a really precarious bridge. I, I just, I lost too many lives. I fell in the swamp and the piranhas just way too many times. It's like moves in chunks where it's like, it all, it moves like whatever, 15 or 30 degrees at a time. So you're just like wildly jerking the camera back and forth. It's very easy to, to fall off of this. And if you fall, you have to go a long way back around to get back up there. And it's, it's pretty annoying. If you fall, you land in the piranha-infested water, so you usually lose a piece of life when you fall, you lose some more life when you get chomped by the piranhas, and then you have to try and jump to safety. Again, I'm not asking for video games to be easy. I just want it to be... I don't know, I want it to feel fair. That's such a strange thing to say that I don't think it's fair for me to run across these things with the camera like this. It, it, that is what the game is. I am, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> The Wonder Wig move can keep you safe in the water, but again, you can only carry 10 feathers, so you can't use that all the time. Boy, I, I hope 
timed runs across narrow ledges never comes up again. <sighs> and then finally, when I was getting all my jingos, I was down to four, but I saw a fifth one that was out in the swamp. So I thought I'd be clever and go turn into a crocodile so I could go pick him up super easily without having to worry about taking damage. Turns out he's in a section of the swamp that only the crocodile can get into, so that's what I was supposed to do. But I didn't realize that when I collected the last Jingo, I didn't immediately get the last Jiggy. It just popped out where the Jingo was, and since I moved through so quickly, I needed to backtrack to get it. But I didn't realize that until I went and turned back into Banjo. So I had to go all the way back again, turn into a crocodile again, run all the way over, then go back and turn back into Banjo, then I could finally leave the stage. You also have to go all the way through the bloody maze each time you fall, which is just, it's just really fun. I fell so many times, I had to run around and find beehives to fill up on life twice. But hey, sixth time is the charm, and I finally got it done. So I liked it. I liked that. I liked the design for it. I did like the the array of the monsters. You got these, like, hippity-hoppity froggies, and you got some stingy wasps, maybe? I'm not quite sure. After winning the Gator minigame, I have all ten jiggies, but before we have Mumbo changes back, we can take a quick tour of the level through the swamp waters, collecting the rest of the notes and filling out our supply of red and gold feathers. But, like I said, Bubble Gloop was back to the fun I was having in the first section. I like Bubble Gloop Swamp a lot. I think it might be my favorite level so far, probably. There were some hungry little croctus that wanted some snacks, uh, so I ran around, finished finding all of them and fed all of them, and then I realized I only had one honeycomb piece. Um, so I wander about and I finally remembered I found the last piece back in uh, Tanked Up's tummy um, and the choir has either been ingested or has escaped because they're gone now, but that's fine and my final honeycomb piece was there. So, sweet as. I finished Bubble Goop Swamp with 10 jiggies, 5 gingos, 100 notes. And we are cruising. 100 of 100 notes, 10 of 10 jiggies, 1 of 2 honeycomb pieces. Took me 45 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, I just kicked my filthy gumboots off at the door. I'm gonna cram my newly collected notes into my bag with Kazooie and skippity doo dar out of there. So after I finished off the swamp, 10 out of 10 jiggies, 100 notes, one honeycomb. And then skippity doo dar back in because I forgot there's always something to do um, as whatever creature Mumbo turns you into. I decided to revisit Mumbo and turn back into a crocodile so I could investigate that hole I found uh, back by the jigsaw puzzle for Freezy's Peak. So I just got to duck back in, turn back into a croc, and then behind the hut, we just go through a nice little tunnel, past the Freeze Easy Peak picture, and into a little crocodile-sized hole, and we find Cheeto. You meet uh, Cheeto, the spell book. The magic book. Cheeto is a lovely, kind spell book, and he helps us and gives us a special cheat code that we can enter into the sandcastle floor in Treasure Trove Code. And he gives you a cheat code. Um, so he gives us the code blue eggs. This particular one was blue eggs. Uh, I'm supposed to go type them in uh, over in the sandcastle back in uh, Beach, whatever the hell that treasure trove cove. I don't know what it's going to do exactly. Is it going to give me infinite blue eggs? Does it just refill my blue eggs? Does it let me hold more blue eggs? Well, let's go find out. 
Oh, also, I found out that you don't have to go back to Mumbo to turn back into Banjo because if you leave the general vicinity of the world, he takes the power away and you turn back to Banjo anyway. So that saved me quite a bit of time of having to go back through the swamp maze uh, to get back to Mumbo's hut in uh, Bugaboo Creek or whatever the heck the level's called. Okay, so I head back to Treasure Trove Cove. I type in blue eggs, and it turns out I get 200 now as my maximum number of eggs. So that's fairly useful. Because again, for me, it takes like 100 shots to, to hit something. So having double eggs is pretty beneficial. Thank you, Cheeto. Kazooie is going through her young like she's not the last of her kind. Concerning. While I'm here, I think to myself, you know, I wonder if blue eggs is one of the codes. Maybe uh, red feathers is one of the codes? Ah, let's try some codes. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like they have to be unlocked. Oh well, still worth it. Also on the way, I pick up uh, the Jiggy from Clankers that I never went back and got, and a couple of Mumbo tokens that I had missed on my way up. So overall, not a bad detour. On the way to Freeze Easy Peak, the last level we'll tackle today, we open up a ton of new areas in Gruntilda's Lair. I spend a bunch of time lost, looking for where to unlock the level and the level itself. Time to find Freeze Easy Peak. So, by the swamp level, there were some hidden boots. You have to run through a bunch of swamp, through a tunnel to find the puzzle. Fill that puzzle in to open up our next and final world for this playthrough, Freezy Peak! It opens the level somewhere, I'm not sure. Freezy Peak. What else? Um, oh, we get to explore the Witch Mountain inside a little bit. Each time in this game, you get more and more of the inside of the mountain to explore. Oh, and I have to say, it's super clever how this whole place is like one giant escape room with all the interactive rooms that connect to one another. Super creative stuff. I think I called it a hub world earlier, which is unfair of me, and I complained that it wasn't a hub world. That's a bad complaint. It's another level. It's a level in and of itself that has monsters and, and it's just like any of the other levels in Banjo. Like a normal level in Banjo, you walk into something and it leads to another little mini thing. Coming out of Bubble Gloop Swamp, uh, we can walk past the large scary fish moat uh, and up the stairs and in through another new note door. I decided to open the 260 note door. Take a bow, Banjo and Kazooie. And on the other side, there's a giant golden vase, which I assume I have to throw a bomb flower into? No, that was Goron City. Never mind. First thing we see is a big urn, a couple more sets of stairs, and some breakable walls. The whole game is that. Like, you go into Witch Mountain, and then Witch Mountain has these tunnels that you lead into the levels. The levels have these things that lead into something else. It's just it's just levels all the way down, so. There's this cool part where there's a breakable wall by that golden vase, and if you break it, there's a pound switch with a, a leap foot, whatever the jumping skill is, uh, on it. So let's smash those walls down, kill the bad guys, smash that jump pad switch. Uh, that brings out a jump pad in front of the urn. And what happens is after you hit that switch, a jumping pad appears next to the gold vase, which will enable you to jump up into the gold vase. And at that point you slide down into the center of it and you drop into the middle of the Gruntilda statue. So we jump on the jump pad, jump into the urn, 
fall down into the grunty statue and grab that uh, jiggy that we unlocked with the witchy switch in the swamp. They got to get this creative team together on the next Knives Out mystery. So that was fun. I also stumble upon a spooky area that I think is the entrance to Mad Monster Mansion. Another level we'll discuss next time. One thing that's getting annoying is that the stages are kind of hidden. I had a lot of fun exploring the witch's lair and got a sneak peek of what's in store for next time. On my way back to Freeze Easy Peak, I notice a 350 note door in the center of a Gruntilda uh, carving or statue or something. Go inside and there is the puzzle for Gobi's Valley. So we're just making all sorts of progress here. I actually end up unlocking the next level in Gobi's Valley before finding the puzzle for Freeze Easy Peak. Looks like there's an Egyptian desert theme of some kind. Ooh. I find the puzzle for Gobi's Valley. That's not right. You know, I'm just noticing uh, there's this long catwalk thing that goes over this lava area uh, that takes you to a hole that's too small to fit through, so obviously I'm going to need to come back with some sort of shapeshift. Oh no! I also found a place in the castle that requires you to be small. <sighs> this means I'm going to have to go back to Mojo, be a crocodile, come back, isn't it? Well, I'm not going to worry about it for now. I gotta say, I'm very impressed with the hub world. The whole pirate ship playset, the industrial sewage treatment plant, the secret tunnel through the swamp, the spinning vase, the creepy graveyard, etc, etc. But man, that room with the lava pit might be one of the coolest designs in this whole game. It was a nightmare navigating without falling into the liquid hot magma, but I really appreciate the low lighting with the flickering glow. Really good feng shui. It's very good. I just wish I had a little bit of a map or something, because it's a little easy to get lost. I got a question, though. How does all of this work? Like, are these levels portals to a pocket dimension? Or is this like a holodeck situation? You know, the more I think about it with what Grunty said earlier about collecting worlds, I'm starting to think this is like an Elseworlds version of Brainiac. I will say, there have been things to like in this game up front. But like Mario 64, it's falling apart shortly in. But uh, I'm looking down at the lava pit and there is no way to escape. So it looks like if you fall off this, this ledge, uh, this platforming uh, challenge, um, you will die. And that will be the end of Banjo. I think I've mentioned before that uh, Grunty is my queen. I love her. I want to help her enact her goals of uh, becoming a young hot grunty, sacrificing 2D for this. I think that's a, I think that's an absolutely fair trade. I think this maybe is also, is this why kids are nostalgic for Banjo is that they died a lot and then they got to see hot grunty and that just sort of programmed their brains to not care about dying all the time. Cause boy, howdy, that's working on me. Now the question is, if I have enough lives, is it faster to just die and respawn at the beginning of the area? Should we find out? I mean, every... Not every time you die, but if you lose all your lives in this game, you get to go you get to go see the thickest Witch of the West. That's... That's pretty tight. I gotta admit, I'm kind of surprised there's no Palpatine Gruntilla fanfic. A little disappointed, not gonna lie. After wandering around for a while, I eventually unlocked the level and find the entrance. And we are set to go on and have a lovely play in the snow. Uh, so I made a little um, freeze-easy peak 
a sing-through instead of a talk-through. Gruntilda, are you listening? Gruntilda, can't you see? We're gonna find all the jiggies, we'll locate all the notes, walking through your winter wonderland. Who's that over there? Why, it's just Boggy. He's groaning and complaining quite a lot. He said that he ate something gold and shiny. Let's use this lead and force it out his gob. I can see a box of Twinkies, but they need a helping hand. They want to light the Christmas tree, avoiding nasty teeth, collecting in this winter wonderland. Mumbo's gonna help us with collections, turn us into something fat and round. We'll tolerate the cold and race on snow sleds. This walrus gets the notes the banjo found. Who's that calling out for help? It's Ginger. Somehow we just have to find all five. Purple, red and green and blue and yellow. We'll find them all and then we'll do a jive. I can see a snowball glistening. As it flies towards my face I'm gonna visit Bottle Brain To cause a snowman pain Exploring in this winter wonderland Whoopsie daisy, I just did a big bomb Straight into the ground and then I died I start again and probably take it slower This freezy peak just makes me want to cry We have Freeze Easy Peak. I found this one uh, much easier than finding the other two levels, thankfully. It's a snow level. Oh, these can be fun. Freeze Easy Peaks. They can also be awful. Hey, what else are we talking about this episode? Freeze f- Freeze Mountain? What is it? Chill Mountain? Freezy Breezy? We're on to Freeze Easy Peak, our final stage for this section. This is a snowy level, and it's pretty cute because it's also got like this Christmas theme to it. This would have been a perfect Christmas game. We should have started this sooner. Um, this is a great level. This is a great level. For a game I mostly don't like that much, I love this level. Big open space, the giant fucking snowman in the middle there. This level is also really good. At first, I was a little bit worried because the first thing you do is you walk on some snow and ice physics happen, and you're like, oh, no. And then you realize, wait, I just run around as Kazooie all the time anyway, and Kazooie does not have ice physics, so it is literally not a problem. This is good design, um, a get tight theme, get your evil snowmen. Oh man, that snowman with the crazy eyes is so unsettling. Is that it? Are those the only monsters on this level? I can't remember. There's gotta be more. I can't remember. There's like a walrus. There's some bears. You get to race the bear on the sled. The game's camera points us to the left. 
But like all games, I check the way the camera isn't pointing to first, and I find an igloo. So you step into Freeze Easy Peak, and the first thing there is an igloo. Freeze Easy Peak is a Christmassy level. There is a gigantic snowman in the middle. There's some nice little houses with lights on. Uh, actually, we, we enter an igloo when we first start, and we see a bunch of crying children. This section starts by introducing you to three sad polar bear cubs inside an igloo right at the entrance of the stage. Who are sad because their dad has not returned with their presents. Their father had gone out to get them presents and never made it back. Oh no! There are three mole children? Polar bear cubs. Whose deadbeat dad says he was going out for presents and never returned. <laughs> Gotta appreciate the whole find the lost presents for the deadbeat dad side quest. They're like, oh, dad left. He said he was gonna get presents and then he's gone and he's been gone for six years. I haven't seen him since. Wow, that got kind of dark real fast. Also, there's a picture of Banjo-Kazooie on the wall. Wait a minute, why does this family of polar bears in this arctic igloo have a massive portrait of Banjo and Kazooie in their living room? Are they like distant relatives? Interesting, I wonder if they're related. Is this kind of like how Banjo had a portrait of Bottles before he knew him? Are they, are they time travelers? Are they even aware that they're secretly living inside a zoo-like biome inside a giant witch-shaped mountain, Truman Show style? So I assume what we were supposed to do is go find their father. That's a little bit weird. Uh, and then we go down a little ice slide and we see uh, another, like a fat mole. They're all kind of fat moles. Are they moles? Are they polar bears? Some sort of animal. They're, they're animal-esque. Anyways, we head downhill and there is maybe a polar bear laying on the ground who says he shouldn't have eaten the shiny thing. Right away, there's a polar bear named Boggy who's just like passed out and his family of three children is up there in the igloo without any, you know, father figure or presence and they're just crying. And meanwhile, Boggy's just like passed out. I was like, what a bad dad. Oh, maybe those kids were polar bears and not moles? Because I think this is their dad. Did he go out for milk, cigarettes, and bread? Or like, what, what happened here? So we probably, what I'm thinking, had to wake him up. We find Boggy the polar bear a little ways off from his home. He has apparently eaten something poisonous and is sure to die. And he's like, oh god, I ate something and my gut hurts and I'm fucking dying. I'm dying here. And we're like, damn, bro, that sucks. And we leave him? It is a sad, sad tale of his three orphaned children when I decide to just walk past him and not help him. I can't currently do anything about him. Ground pounding him doesn't make him cough up the puzzles. It took me a while to figure out what to actually do with Boggy. But honestly, the uh, ground pound thing ain't working, so I probably have to drop like a snowball on him or something. I don't know. I'll go look around. But then, as I'm doing the stage, we start to discover these wrapped gift boxes that can talk because it's Banjo-Kazooie and everybody can talk and they say that they will cheer up children. Around the level I have no idea where they were. Uh, we picked up some of the presents that the children were missing and we give them back to them and they give us a jiggy. So what the hell? I go back to the polar bear cubs and Banjo throws the present to them. Okay, I get that. I just gotta find the three presents for them. That's no big deal. I have literally no recollection where any of them are. I just kind of happened upon all of them. I also love how Banjo just chucks all the gifts at the brats. But I still have that polar bear that's passed out. And I assume that's the dad. 
So I eventually find a way to wake it up, and it's you have to ride a sled off of this giant snowman that's in the middle, middle of the stage. You go down further into the level, there's this giant snowman right in the center. Uh, and we see, yeah, a big snowman in the center of the stage. Before I can explore too much, I get hit with a snowball, and I'm not sure where it's coming from. And then the, I was really annoyed at first because there's this enemy here. They're like evil, large snowmen that toss snowballs at you with kind of deadly accuracy. Bam! Hit by up. These assholes throwing snowballs are the worst. I run for cover and survey the scene. So I took a lot of damage there, but managed to not die. There's a skyscraper-sized snowman in the center of the lake. On small islands around him, there are living snowmen throwing snowballs at me if I get in range. I can also see some cabins up on a hill and a Christmas tree, which I ducked behind to get away from the snowballs. We eventually, though, climb a giant snowman. This thing's got to be, like, ten stories tall. Climbing up Frosty Scarf is the coolest thing in this game so far. Look how high up we are. This is nuts. And also, you learn how to sled off of his cool scarf. So at the top of the snowman, we ride a sled down a ski jump type thing. And we land on the bear with enough force to decapitate him. So you take it down his scarf and it like ramps up at the end and you fly and soar through the air. And then you f***ing land on that dude I was talking about earlier. And you slam right on his stomach and he spits out a f***ing jiggy because he ate a jiggy, I guess. And that will hit his gut and wake him up, knock whatever's stuck in his stomach out. I don't think they actually really showed it. No, but seriously, he spits out the jiggy. We jump on a sled and launch ourselves onto the polar bear from earlier for a jiggy. So you can slide down his scarf, and then you land on Boggy the polar bear, and that makes him barf up the jiggy. And I want to know how he got the jiggy in it ingested in the first place, but then again, I guess Kazooie does that all the time. Well, why would you do that? They're huge. They're like metal. I'm starting to get a little concerned with how Kazooie keeps swallowing each of these golden puzzle pieces. Is, is this like a gizzard thing? And then does he want to go back to his children? Does he want to go help these kids that have been waiting on presents? No. But then instead of returning to his children who are at home crying, he says, Oh, you find my sled. I guess I'm going to go practice for the big race now. <laughs> you know what he wants to do? Race. He wants to race on his sled against you. I'm sorry, you're setting up this entire story to get a father home to his kids, and you throw it out the window for racing. I don't know, that that just, I didn't understand why that had to happen that way. It just, it seemed like the game was setting something up and it threw it out the window. Dumbass bears. After this, I, I made a note that going through, going climbing the giant snowman was kind of fun. I liked being that high in the level. I never felt like I was truly in danger except for one close call where I literally backflipped and saved my ass at the last second at the very top of the snowman. The snowman has three jiggies on it, I think. He has one in his corncob pipe because, of course, he has a corncob pipe. He has one where if you jab him in the stomach, if you beak bomb him in his buttons, he gets one on his head, I think. Or no, that one that one goes like right under his crotch. The one on his head happens if you beak bomb. There's a bunch of dudes in top hats throwing snowballs at you. You got to murder every single one of them fuckers and then you get a jiggy for that. Bottles gives you the beak bomb move, which basically while you're flying, you can do a homing attack, sort of. It's not a homing attack, but like a, just like a forward rush motion that does damage. But I get the beak bomb. Which is when we are flying, we now have an attack and we just like shoot forward super fast. Uh, some might say too fast. Basically, you do kind of like a dive bomb maneuver. Now this is going to be key to get rid of these stupid snowmen throwing snowballs at me this entire freaking level. You know, we kill shit. So the idea is you take out the snowmen, 
uh, by hitting the red X's on their hats. The only way to kill them is with the flying attack, and it's awful. You have to hit them directly in the hat. Lining it up is really annoying because even if you think you've got it good, you could overshoot, undershoot, hit their body, you could miss completely and dive into ice water that damages you. Did did the ice just start talking to me? Uh, it was kind of difficult to aim the beak bomb because you've got to kind of learn because we descends a little bit when you use it. So yeah. It's bad. It's a really bad design decision. And then a few of them have, you get a jiggy for killing them all, and there's a few uh, little collectibles you get along the way for doing this. I'm sure there's a jiggy or uh, one of the empty honeycombs that gives you a health piece or something for killing them, but heck with it. I'm not doing it. I don't need to 100% this game. There's not too much crazy here, but you use it to kill like three or four snowmen around the stage as well as to push in buttons on the big snowman in the middle of the stage to reveal another jiggy. Also, as we kill those snowmen, a walrus comes out and is excited because those snowmen apparently have been tormenting it. And there's also a walrus whose name is Waza, which, uh, Elise, is that Australian for something? We can see that he has a jiggy in his hand, but when we walk up to him, he's like, oh, bear, oh no, geez, I'm out of here. And he goes and he hides. But thankfully, hey, Mumbo's here and Mumbo has another transformation for us if we have enough Mumbo tokens. And he turns us into a walrus. And now I'm a walrus. We find Mojo who turns us into a walrus. I am the walrus, cuckoo kachoo. So Banjo's transformation for this stage is a walrus. In this form, we can be in cold water. Which is, isn't that useful? It just basically lets you unlock a few things in this level and go underwater without taking ice damage. Anyone else here see Tusk? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you suck! By the way, I thought it was very strange that even the ice water was sentient. Had eyeballs and stuff in its little message. Holy shit, the walrus is so f***ing cute. The funny thing is, is he kind of looks like a turd. Okay, let's see where this goes. I'm not gonna lie, I'm playing the game and looking down and it's just... A banjo-colored turd crawling around the stage. Oh my god. The animal transformations in this game are just... God, they're so f***ing cute. It makes, me, it makes me mad how cute they are. I don't know, like, what is misfiring in my brain to make that happen, but I'm f***ing pissed how cute these goddamn animals are. <laughs> but I end up making my way over to the walrus that I revealed. That gives us a jiggy. There's a walrus named Waza that only lets you into his cave and gets a jiggy if you go in there as the walrus. As a walrus, we can go talk to Waza and he's like, hey, take my jiggy. You're not a bear. I love walruses. I'm a walrus. We walk around as a walrus. I do probably about as much as I can. I talk to another walrus, whatever. Um, he moves out of the way. I get a jiggy. As a walrus, we also find the dad uh, whose name is Boggy. He has a sled and he has a race prepared for us. He's like, hey, I have a little tiny sled. If you're Banjo, you're too f***ing fat. If you're a walrus, yeah, you're good. You can ride the tiny sled. And then you have a sled race minigame with Boggy, which took me a few tries, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, I also make my way over to the polar bear, and he wants to race me while I'm in my walrus form. We also get a sled race a polar bear, and we win! So we race him, we beat him, it's, it's pretty easy. It's like very rubber bandy though, he's like always directly beside you, but if you fall behind, he slows down a lot. So we make a lap around the stage, I beat him after a couple of attempts, and he gives us a jiggy. So after you beat the polar bear in walrus form, you then have to challenge him on foot as Banjo. 
And then you can race him again. He's like, hey, I got a bigger sled this time. So we come back as Banjo, and then we try and race him, and he goes off like a goddamn rocket. And then 10 seconds later, uh, as he's a mile ahead, he's like, actually, hey, you suck. This isn't fun for me. I'm owning your ass too hard. Problem is, is that's impossible at this point in the game. All attempts to run with Kazooie's fast legs are not going to work. Yeah, there's a power-up we have to get from another stage to be able to beat him in Banjo form. Because clearly we need these speed shoes. Sprint shoes? I don't know what they're called. Yeah, we can't uh, we can't get that jig yet. You guys remember those running shoes inside the alligator? Yeah, those will be important. But uh, we don't have them yet, so we're going to have to come back. That kind of sucks. Not literally those ones inside the alligator. Those are pretty far away. I believe that's everything I needed to do as a walrus, so I go back and transform back into Banjo. If we go back to Wazanel as Bear Banjo, we can go inside his cave. Uh, there's a honeycomb piece and a Jinjo in here, I think. So when I got the last Jiggy, Jenga's, Jinkies, whatever they're called, I saw something weird in the walrus's cave. Uh, has anyone else noticed this? There was what looked like a hidden passage blocked off with a wall of ice. And if you switch to first-person view, you can barely make out what looks like a giant key behind it. But there's also, if we look through a pane of ice, we can see a gigantic key spinning ominously. Huh. I wonder if that'll come up later. Now this is where someone's going to explain stop and swap key. But it's not going to be me, because I don't want to Google it and make sure all my facts are right. One final note is there is an ice key hidden behind a ice wall inside Waza the Walrus's cave. And this is actually a remnant from the planned stop and swap system, which was going to connect Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie using ROM leakage data memory in the 64 when you switch out games. Uh, but it never made it into the final version of the game, but they're still kind of existing in a couple of the levels. So it's a little frustrating when you see it and you think it's an item that you need to get, but you can't. Hmm. Uh, but I think that just speaks to development, uh, game development of the day, and I think that continues to this day, that sometimes items just get left in the game that were going to be used for something else later. Just a side note that the Xbox versions of these games did finish fully in implementing the connectivity between the games. So I'm looking forward to find out more about that, and that's why I chose one of the reasons I chose the Xbox version in the first place, because I do want to play 2E eventually. So every time I unlock some new secret outside of the level, I'm tempted to leave and go check it out immediately before I forget about it. But then I remember that if I leave the level, I'm basically starting the level over. One thing I want to say about the collectathon mechanics in this game, uh, I remember, uh, again, in Freezy Peak, going in this little pond area and just running off to the edge to collect some eggs and thinking, why couldn't they have just copied what Doom does, where like they have an extra item that is like multiple of the resource? Like, why can't there be little egg baskets somewhere in maybe harder to reach places, so there's more of a challenge, and you can pick up five eggs? Why can't they have bunches of feathers? There were so many times in these three levels where I just, you know, was going out on a limb out into some corner somewhere because I needed red feathers, or because I was trying to get one last note or an egg and it's, it stopped being fun and started getting a little tedious. So we move forward and we find a box of twinkles. These are essentially giant Christmas lights. There's like these Twinkies, these little Christmas lights that are trying to get onto a Christmas tree. There are these little Christmas light creatures called Twinklies 
that are trying to get to a Christmas tree so they can light it up. It's a little bit hard to explain. So there are these sentient Christmas lights who are walking down a path, but uh, in the path there's a bunch of holes in the ground where like snake monsters pop out. But they got little dinosaurs popping out of holes. And they need your help getting to the tree without being eaten by the worms that pop up out of the holes. We have to protect 10 of them. And at first, this sucks. And you have to uh, defend them from the twinkly munchers who kind of pop up whack-a-mole style and will eat them if you don't attack them and get them to go back into their holes. Gators pop up and eat them, but don't stay down long enough for multiples to pass by. I don't know what this game's even doing here. So you have to smash the snake monsters before the the lights get eaten, but like the lights will get eaten for sure, so you just have to make sure enough of the lights make it past, which is kind of horrifying in retrospect. I wish I could tell you I left no gold behind, but this was an absolute massacre. I mean, I guess everybody likes a good Twinkie. My first two tries probably saw 50 bulbs hop along the path to their doom. Because they know there's just like a 50-50 shot that they're going to die before they reach that tree. My successful third try, I probably only saved a third of the bulbs that attempted the journey, barely getting the tenth bulb home before the seconds ran out. Again, I had trouble with the camera, and many of the moves in this game are hard to line up correctly. When I first tried to get this jiggy, I would attack the Twinkly Munchers by firing eggs at them, and I quickly ran out of eggs. So I'm running around ground pounding them at basically a constant pace, and it feels like if I mess up, I can't get 10 through. And the rhythm at which I was beating them didn't quite sync up with the rhythm at which the Twinklies came out to get to the Christmas tree. It's not that difficult though, but again, I found the most effective way was to use the rat-a-tat-tat. I accidentally figure out that if I do, I think it's the pat-a-pat, you jump and just attack in Kazooie pecks. It also knocks them down. So I tried a different strategy where I was just running back and forth and beak barging the Twinkly Munchlers. Beak barging the Twinkly Munchers. Try saying that five times fast to get them out of the way. This is much easier and much faster to keep up with. And like other folks have said, it would have been easier if the camera didn't move with Banjo and if these types of attacks were easier to line up. Uh, you just gotta get a good rhythm. Uh, I've heard after the fact from the other podcasters that you can use Kazooie's invulnerability form to just kill those things super quick, but I do it the hard way, I guess. Anyway, if you get 10 lights to the tree in 60 seconds, a Jiggy shows up, kind of, actually not really, a switch shows up, then you have to shoot the switch, and then you have to like fly through a thing, and then you get a Jiggy. Now, I have to turn on the power to the tree. Okay, fine. Now that there are lights on the tree, we can turn them on by shooting exit the switch. When I do that, I am supposed to get to the top of the tree, but I can't just climb it. Thanks, game. Like, why? Why so many steps? Doing this starts another 60 second minigame. We find a flying point, and we fly through the star on top of the Christmas tree three times. But once you get all those lights on the tree, uh, you then have to go and fly and fly through the star three times and it opens the puzzle piece somewhere else. It looks like it's in a forest or something? To open up another jiggy inside the tree, uh, which you can climb up into. It takes a minute. The important thing is the fun minigame. That gigantic Christmas tree was nuts. That's it for Freeze Easy Peak. I got 100 of 100 notes. I got 9 out of 10 jiggies, because that final one is impossible, because Boggy is too damn fast. And I got two of two honeycomb pieces. Holy shit. Took me 46 minutes, 51 seconds. And yeah, I actually liked Freeze Easy Peak. I thought it was kind of fun for the most part. 
There's another boggy race, but you have to have the speed shoes to win those, so didn't get the 10th Jiggy on this level either. After collecting 100 notes, all five Jinjos, but only nine Jiggies, I give up. With the help of a guide, I learned that I can't get it yet. Oh well, this is good enough for now. Yeah, Freeze Easy Peak, I like that level a lot too. Like, I, maybe as much as Bubble Gloop Swamp. These, these last two levels have been a lot of fun. That ends Freezy Peak, Freezy, Freezy Face, uh, Snowman Land, um, Cool Cool Mountain, as we'll call it. Uh, nine Jiggies and 100 Notes, and I believe I got both uh, Honeycombs, so not bad, not bad. I said I don't like water levels, I don't like poison levels. I do like an ice level. I do like a game that gives you a little slippy slidey there with your characters. That's uh, that's a fun thing to kind of work around. And when it happens, for whatever reason, this level, I don't get as annoyed, even though you often fall off things and have to do jumps multiple times. Something, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is where it all clicks for me. Maybe this is the level that makes me go, ah, I get it. I like Banjo-Kazooie. Um... It's definitely not true because I remember not liking the desert level next. I don't know. Whatever. A good, good snow theme. Like it. Good job, Banjo. After shaking the snow out of our shorts and picking icicles off Kazooie's beak, we can go and continue on with our adventure. And yes, the music in this game does not get old, which you can't say about a good amount of video game music. I wouldn't say that I want Grant Kirkhope to adopt me. I, I, that honor belongs to uh, Yotakata and Katsuhiro Hayashi, who are the composers on Game Ground. I want them to adopt me in heaven so that we can be brothers. And that being said, the music here is still really good. I'm listening to some of the past episodes we've done here, and I'm just dancing along to the music as I'm listening to it. Okay, overall thoughts for this section. Overall, this section wasn't that bad. The more we play Banjo, the more endeared I get towards Banjo. But yeah, Banjo continues to be a really enjoyable experience outside of Clanker's Cap. Uh, Clanker's was by far the worst just because of the swimming mechanics. Pretty glad that I didn't let Clanker's Cavern and the impossible underwater swimming knock me off this and prevent me from continuing. The only part that really pissed me off, I would say, was trying to beat Mr. Vile without the uh, speed shoes. I'm used to the camera and the controls by now, and I'm just like, I'm having fun exploring these worlds. I was really satisfied with the exploration that we had to do through Gruntilda's lair. I thought it was, you know, there's a little bit of puzzles here and there, a little bit of platforming here and there. The size and the scope of it are just huge, even if it is a little mazy. So much damn character, dude. And all the animals are so fucking cute, it makes me so... I am still having so much fun with this game. After that, I had a lot of fun in... I forgot what the second world was, and I did it two hours ago. Wow, very memorable game we got here. I really don't know what Bill and Pete are complaining about. This game is delightful. It's got everything. I'm really excited to get back to it. Uh, so I'm going to cut this off here and go do that. That's it for Banjo-Kazooie Clanker's Cavern. Done. Uh, that middle one, though, what did I do? The swamp? The swamp was good. I like the swamp a lot. It was pretty compact, as most of these worlds are. Uh, you know, they're not... They're not very large. But yeah, there's uh, enough different things to do in the swamp that I was okay with it. Bubble Gloom Swamp, done. Let's see, it was uh, Freezy Peak. Uh, Freezy Peak was okay. I really didn't like the ice mechanics and the the, the star. I call them stars, like it's Mario. The <laughs> the Jiggies were 
kind of uh, kind of running out of ideas of where to hide these things, let's just say. Freeze easy peek. Done. Except for that one jiggy. I'll come back to that one probably. Let's see. So far, I have all but one of the jiggies, except for that last one in Bubble Boop Swamp. Tabernak. But what you should do, since we're getting close to wrap up Banjo-Kazooie, it means we're going to be having another vote on Twitter soon for our next game. So if you want to participate in that vote, go over to Twitter at Super Switch Club and give us a follow so you can vote when that happens. Um, I have about 75 to 100 notes per level-ish. Some honeycombs. I was having a good time by the end of last time, and I'm having like a great time by the end of this time. And I'm having a good time. I don't think I ever made it this far as a child, which might be why my expectations were like a little bit tepid coming into Banjo. I hope everybody else is too. But yeah, expectations exceeded. This is uh, it's just a lot of fun. Overall, I'd rate this game as fine to good, but it does seem like they are running out of ideas for where to put jiggies. So we shall see. Fun game. I love fun video games. Also, I want to point out that in this section, uh, part of Gruntilda's Lair, I did run into some spiderweb type things that I could not break. So we'll have to see if there's a uh, Deku stick and a torch or something I need to light those. So with six levels done so far, we're probably about halfway through this game. Anyway, this has been Frost. We'll see you next time on the Super Switch Club when we tackle other worlds. Next time we're going to do Gobi Valley, which I already found the entrance to because I didn't want to get lost at the start in fucking Grunty's Lair again. More world. Mad Monster Mansion and Rusty Bucket Bay. Hey, that's it for Caslo. I will talk to everybody next time. Take care. This is Scott signing off. Thank you guys for editing. All right. Thank you, editor, for doing this. Actually, you know what? I may have made it this far as a child, or like me and my siblings in conjunction may have made it this far, uh, because saying the words Rusty Bucket Bay has sent a shiver down my spine. I think I might contribute another episode. We'll see. Depends on how worn out I am this week. But yeah. Anyway, I can't wait for episode three. We're going to get to place of memory. We're going to learn the piano. And we're even going to save a dolphin. So, I mean, there's really nothing more to complain about. But that's for next time. Until next time, this is Jay signing off. And I'll catch you guys next time for more of the Super Switch Club. Have a good one. So with that, I'll catch you later. Later. too can be part of the super switch club it's not too late head on over to probablywork.com slash super switch club to join today submissions are always open the super switch club is a production of the we can make this work probably podcast network find more of our other great shows at probablywork.com including podcasters assemble and check out our discord page All games featured are available to play on the Nintendo Switch Online Virtual Library. All original Banjo-Kazooie music tracks or sound effects created and owned by composer Grant Kirkhope, Rareware Studios, and Nintendo. Grant Kirkhope's Banjo-Kazooie Rejiggied Remix album is available for free on YouTube. Link in the show notes. Additional music by contributors from Overclocked Remix and royalty-free tracks provided by Kevin McCloyd. This podcast was created by Bill from Bill's JRPGs and Other Trappings. This episode was edited by Eric Slater and Frost. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Links in the show notes.
This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. There's a Waza, there's a walrus named Waza. I really got to say, this would be basically unplayable today without the save states. But I do figure out in this that if you do a... Um... Uh, my brain shut off again. I had a, I, I had, a, I had a tootie. I had a little brain tootie right there. The downtrodden g- that pits the down that pits the downtrodden gu- gator boy. Gator, little, little, cute little gator. Gator skater. He doesn't. He doesn't skate in this game. He could though. It would work right there. There's the name Gator Skater. That pits the downtrodden. Gra- <laughs> God damn it. So the jiggy I missed was probably something I could have climbed uh, just right up to something or something. like I don't know. Cut all this. Uh, so if you're going to play this game, don't play it on the N64. Play it on the Nintendo Switch. Same goes for Echo the Dolphin and Star Fox and Zelda 2 for that matter. The, the, the camera continues to be terrible in this game. So you fly through the... Why do I keep saying fly when I mean swim? Probably because I like the flying in this game a lot better than I like the swimming. Um, that's stupid. You know, <laughs> of course the camera continues to be. Grant Kirkhope's, Grant Kirkhope's, Grant Kirkhope's, Grant Kirkhope's Banjo-Kazooie rejiggied remix album. Grant Kirkhope's Banjo-Kazooie rejiggied mute. The camera, the camera doesn't magically fix itself halfway through the game, Doug. F***ing moron. Oh, my nose is so f***ing itchy. It's like 2D level, 2D level thoughts right there. Anyways. Tabernak. Oh, uh, I don't think you need to bleep Tabernak. I don't know if you need to bleep Tabernak. But if you do want to bleep Tabernak, bleep the knock that usually gets bleeped. Knock. <laughs>